This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. It's another beautiful day in the Jewish state, and I am here on a rooftop in the ancient city of Akko, uh, which has gone from ancient to industrial, and we're about to shoot a commercial. And I wanted to take a few minutes. It's a very hot day. I'm dressed here in the sweater for the commercial and everything. Got my makeup on. And uh, <laughs> and I wanted to come out here and show you this. This is an up-and-coming city when it comes to uh, there's a small uh, 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 group of universities that have been founded here. One of them is actually a dental university, which is right behind me. And uh, I wanted to show you this is not only... Uh, for business, but it's also for big industry and factories that, that are going in here. You can hear all the construction going on in the background. I think this is very important as well for you to see, and I, for some reason I can't zoom in, but this building right here behind me has an Israeli flag, it's called Motorrad, an Israeli flag, an American flag, and a German flag. Very, very interesting. So, one thing that I've learned and that is being reinforced on my heart, on my mind, and on my spirit. The entire world is in chaos, but the Jews keep making greatness. And the one thing that I can say for sure, that you can boycott, you can bomb, you can stab, do what you will, but you will not stop the Jewish people from making greatness and blessing the world. Keep that in mind. I need Americans to send me chocolates for heroes. I need you to get involved. Email me. You can find it here on my Facebook page. Email me and find out how you can be a participator and not a spectator in a cost-effective, time-efficient way by getting involved with Hershey's for he- chocolates for heroes. Excuse me, chocolates for heroes, and showing the Israeli soldiers that defend this greatness from Islamic invasion. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes, and it's another beautiful day in the Jewish state. And uh, I'm here actually on the campus of IDC at the uh, counterterrorism conference. Uh, this is actually day four, and it's been amazing. Folks, if you've been watching the social media, great, great interviews. And uh, the interviews continue, as I have here, Monty. Monty? Did I say that right? Monty Sometimes if I don't have the right accent, people think I'm saying their name wrong. (laughs) Monty, I want to say thank you for being on Inside Israel, brother. Listen, uh, I've really enjoyed. We've had a, what, an hour, hour and a half, two-hour conversation. And uh, Monty and I are definitely on the same page, I think, on just about 100% of everything. I would say so. At least uh, the, the things that count the most in life. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I want to say, you, you have a, a company, IMTT. International Mobile Training Team. And uh, I looked at your website. You guys do some awesome stuff. Now, I didn't need to look at the website to know that, talking to you. We're pretty eclectic. You're pretty eclectic. You definitely are. We've, we've got quite a few great guys working for us, with us, and around us. And uh, we've got some amazing people that do some amazing things for us. Nice, nice. And uh, let me ask you, you, you have a military background. Correct. And uh, how long have you been in this line of work, if I can ask that? Well, 
You, you, you're the man. You tell me, Michael, don't ask me that. Michael, ask me this. No, no. But, uh, we've been in business since 1994. Um, we actually started our business on kind of a fluke. Uh, a good friend of mine was in the special operations community and contacted me, and they needed a uh, they needed a guy to do some training um, to train some personnel in a in a uh, developing nation uh, to work with U.S. Embassy and U.S. assets and to uh, develop a training core curriculum and bring these folks in that they wanted to talk to and associate with and develop relationships with. And my job was to act as a private a private instructor and uh, get all these folks in one place, have a big barbecue, drink beer, and uh, everybody socialize. <laughs> and uh, that was the gist of it. And, it. and as I say, it started on a fluke, and I, I, I traveled this, you know, uh, with the with the chickens and then uh, and the locals in the back of buses, trains, planes, automobiles. And wow! Went to a remote location, did this for about two weeks, and that was how my company was started. Wow! And then from there, we've been in business since 1994, and I've traveled to about 37 different countries um, with with staff, and I've sent instructors out and folks to do different things. But that's how we begin. Nice. Now, if, if uh, you're in special op- special forces unit in the military, no, I was in special operations. Special operations. I was What's not the in difference? Special actually, special what's the difference? Special operations, special forces. No, I know the difference, but maybe there's some people that don't. Our special forces community, uh, the, you know, the two the two uh, overlap somewhat. Is your machine still going? Yeah, yeah, it's running. Um, there is some overlap, but our special forces folks go through more intensive training, longer training, and they specifically uh, deal with indigenous populations and small teams to assist in liberating the oppressed, if you will. And they have a long tab on their shoulder to assist special forces okay. in the U.S. Army. Um, my job was uh, civil affairs. Civil, I deal with civil infrastructures, indigenous populations, and support the special forces missions in some areas and assets. And then I also uh, worked in uh, the psychological warfare community. Okay. And as well, I was in the infantry and did some stuff like that. Nice, nice. Uh, how in the world... I, now, to me, because uh, I've been doing this long enough and done a lot of work with the military here, and then I meet a lot of military from abroad, mostly U.S. Uh, how did you hear about this conference? Well, um, I had traveled to Israel previously, and a friend of mine had uh, come up with this idea that we go to this conference and see what information we could come up with, because I, I travel the world, and as a result of traveling the world and the proliferation of terrorism worldwide, uh, there were some things that I wanted to know and become more acutely aware of in, in emerging trends in the in uh, terrorism worldwide to assist me in, in, in providing services for clients. And you know we have to remain abreast of emerging emerging TTPs tactics uh, procedures of our enemies, if you will, being terrorists and organizations like that, and the threats to our clients. So this kind of gives us insight into that, and we felt it would be a productive conference to attend from that standpoint. Right. Now, one of the things that you did 
I think it was the first time you were here, Brett, you did uh, outside of the U.S. what they call Sorel, but in the U.S. we call it Volunteers for Israel. Volunteers for Israel, yes. And uh, you actually, I mean, I experienced that for myself, mm -hmm. but you lived on a base, you worked with the soldiers, uh, they had you doing things that freed up the, the soldiers to do other things. Uh, wow, what was what was that like for you? Was that the second time you'd come to Israel that you did that? No, that was the first time. The first time. So here you are coming to, to the Jewish state uh, with the military. I don't know how familiar you are, were with them at the time, but you're coming here to actually to, to, to do work on their military base. What was that experience like for you? Uh, we initiated. I initiated that uh, so that I could come and, and be immersed in the, in the IDF. I'd love to serve with the IDF, but obviously I'm not Jewish and I'm not a citizen of Israel, so that was kind of out of the uh, uh, out of the ballpark. It wasn't feasible as well. So right. I heard about this program, Volunteers in Israel, uh, and then it was Sadel, and then we volunteered for it and got went through a background, extensive background in clearance and all that because they really they vet the people very very well. Absolutely. So, uh, and I had served previously with uh, with uh, French uh, special operations assets, French special forces, if you will, Dutch and Canadians, and all kinds of things. When I was overseas, when I was in the Middle East previously with the U.S. military, so I thought, well, here's a great opportunity to get some insights about insights? the idea. Did you say insight? Insight. Nice. Some insight. I picked the right term. And, and yeah, you did. Absolutely. So, uh, get some idea of what, uh, in fact, the IDF does, and a little bit of hands-on experience and face-to-face -face, um, relationships, if you will, with uh, with the guys in the service and uh, see how they operate. And it was it was a great experience. It was a real pleasure, a real honor to have that opportunity. And I'm and. Obviously, I'm a big supporter of Israel, so I felt it was, uh, you know, obviously it's not serving, but it, it it felt like some service to the to the state of Israel and uh, I guess longevity of the state, doing something, giving back. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. And, and let me say uh, to Americans, I mean, you're talking, you're looking at two guys that actually uh, did volunteers for Israel, Sarel, and. Uh, I mean, that's how I got my start. I documented my experience with the Israeli military, uh, having come over here with nothing, didn't know anyone, but that was the best experience I had, and it laid the foundation for Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. So we're actually going to donate uh, 100 chocolate bars to your organization. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're hoping, well, we've already talked, when you have the chance, you're going to come back, and we're going to take you on a tour around the country. Absolutely. And uh, hook you up with some more great soldiers. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And uh, awesome. we're looking forward to that. Let me ask you, uh, you and I, like I said, we're on the same page. Uh, we've kind of seen that academia many times uh, comes up with, quote-unquote, logical uh, ways that they think the problems in the world will be solved. Uh, you've been boots on the ground in a lot of places. Uh, logic and reality sometimes are two different things. Am I right in that assessment? Uh, I've seen a lot of people here that are here that I've talked to that I would never interview because I'm kind of biased. I don't like to interview people. I do interview people that are in contrast with what I, what with what reality is. Uh, but how would you assess? Because there's always two sides to every coin. 
How would you assess what you've learned and then sometimes what other people are maybe uh, have a misunderstanding about what's actually happening? How would you assess uh, the conference in itself? We know it's a great conference. It's, yeah, it's a phenomenal conference. Phenomenal it's a great conference. conference. I think I recommend to anyone to come and attend. And I, I, but I, I do think there's a real focus on academia, and I think there is a disconnect between the the academic portion and the practitioner portion, although there is some overlap. I, mean, right. I think there's folks representing both of those here, and, and it's a great conference. Um, a lot of really useful, uh, dynamic information, and, and, and it does get into the emerging trends of terrorism worldwide and things that we need to be cognizant of. My assessment is it's a, it's a good conference for people to come to. I don't think it's the only conference you should come to. I think this in combination with a good tra- training foundation and with uh, realistic knowledge and lower your expectations somewhat and look at it from an academic, theoretical point of view and don't come in with a... You're not going to learn basic, the basics of terrorism. You're not going to learn... Uh, you know, all the basic trends and philosophies of all of these groups. You need to come in front-loaded with a lot of knowledge first right? so wow. you can understand the definitions and the terms. And, um, and you're going to pick up some good information. And I think on a scale of 1 to 10, I, I would, from what my expectations were, I would give it a 9. Nice. Yeah, because nothing's perfect. <laughs> no, nothing's perfect. But there is, uh, like I say, there is a disconnect between the practitioners and, and the academics. And there is, and, and you're working with a lot of different countries and a lot of, right. uh, there is a, a lot of national, uh, international perspective on things. So there's not, you're not going to get one philosophical point of view. Absolutely. From one country. And everybody has a difference of opinion on how these things should be dealt with and what's going on. And, and frankly, there is some, some political connotations, and uh, there is some things that I don't believe are being disclosed because of politics, and people's opinions are dissuaded because of them, um, and they work around that a little bit, and you can kind of read between the lines. Yeah, if you're smart, if you, you know, a lot of times if you would come to a conference like this, you are pretty much, you have a general idea, practical knowledge of terrorism, of the Islamic threat. Of, of how governments work and what's uh, you're actually more than likely up to know with what's happening in the news, especially. Uh, and and to have all that brought together, it's amazing for me because... I, it's I've a great heard, program. Yeah, it's amazing because I'm hearing all, you know, like you said, different philosophies and different opinions on things. And uh, uh, it's uh, it's been a great experience for me. Even if I'm not always sitting in... The speakers, I've got the earphones in, but I'm just talking to people in general, finding out where they're from, and listening to their viewpoint uh, has taught me, I think, sometimes more than, I get more sometimes, I feel like, for me, than than actually sitting in on the speaker session. Uh, Because you have that one-on-one conversation where I can ask the questions that I really need, that are important to me the most. That is one thing that's really lacking. There's a lot of Q&A, um, and there's there's not a lot of interchange between the student population, if you will, and I, I say student population, but actually the the listeners, the clients in, in the audience and the, and the speakers. There's not a lot of interaction between the two. Um, there's also, it appears as if some of the people have been front-loaded and I can think of three specific cases that will go unnamed for nations that have been front-loaded with a, a, specific, a specific narrative and messaging from their uh, 
their administrative command authority to say certain things and stay within those parameters and limits, and they're speaking directly for their uh, their presidents, right. nations, if you will, their their current administrations. Um, but other than that, I think it was a you know there's a good exchange ideas and off off the record there's a lot of good ideas and that's where really the, the good work is being done. I think is uh, in these conferences there's an exchange of ideas behind closed doors that people are talking frankly, other than the speakers talking from a political point of view that are on the podium, and that's where really the the, the lion's share of the work is being done here. Right, and more than anything. More than anything, as much as Israel is accused falsely of so many things in the world, by the world, in the media, by governments, they're having this conference here on, <laughs> on <Absolutely>. terrorism. <laughs> That's the the irony that I find that is so amazing in this whole thing. So, uh, listen, I want to say I look forward to uh, to seeing you again. It's my pleasure. And uh, great, I really have enjoyed the, the conversation we had off camera, and I look forward to uh, to uh, you know helping you become better related to the country in, in, in any way I can. I look forward to uh, also benefiting from what you know, what you've gained in life. You're a seasoned man, and there's a, things, a lot of things I need to know about living here in the Middle East that I can gain some uh, credible knowledge about. So anyway, folks, listen, great stuff here at the uh, the conference on counterterrorism. Here at uh, well, we're, IDC is actually holding the conference, and I have Francesco. Francesco, Mike. Mike McGinnis, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you for being on Insight to Israel. And uh, this fellow and I, we just got to talking. The, the, the dean for IDC was actually speaking, introducing Neftali Bennett, who was I'm a big fan of. I love that guy. And uh, this guy was like, the dean was like, we're Zionist, and this is the Zionism we talk about is uh, is about Theodore Herzl, what he believed, and the Jewish state, and, and returning to the homeland. And it's amazing, and I'm sure you've seen this yourself, amazing what the Jewish people have done here in 68 years with all of the opposition from the world and even those who say they're friends of Israel, underlying currents of opposition through, that's something we'll get into later, but uh, through different surrogates that try to stop the Jewish people from making greatness in this country, and that greatness is extended to the rest of the world through technology, agriculture, and medicine. Amazing. Amazing. They try to kill them. They try to boycott them. Everything. And you know what I've learned? And this guy's not Jewish, but he's from Italy. You cannot and will never... World, I want you to listen. I want the Europeans and the UN and Islam to listen to this goy, a non-Jew living in Israel. You cannot and will not stop the Jewish people. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. Wow. Wow, no matter what the odds, no matter what the obstacle, the Jewish people, by the grace of Almighty God, whether you're religious or not, does not matter to me. They, these are the facts laid out through history from the time of Abraham to today. You will not stop the greatness and the beauty of the, the hearts and the beauty of these people that bless the world. I could go all day, brother. <laughs> it's exciting to be in this country. It is. Now, Fran Francesco. Did I say that with the right accent? Of course. What, what part of Italy are you from? Uh, my mom basically is from uh, Florence and my father from the north. I moved then to Perugia, to Venice, and I spent last year's in Rome. So basically I come from all the Italy. From all of Italy? All of Italy. <laughs> 
Well, I have to tell you something, brother. I've tasted a lot of spaghetti and a lot of pizza yeah. in my life, okay, in the United States. Nothing beats eating pasta and pizza in Italy. I'm glad to hear. I mean, I would be surprised of the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I understand. You know, I heard about it when I was, before I went to Italy. And I actually went to the, the Italian embassy for an, for a, an event last, last summer. And I heard so many people say, talk about the relationship between Italy and, and Israel. And after being there and experiencing uh, your people, I understand why that relationship is there. So, with that being said, you're here at IDC. You're working on your master's degree in... What's your master's degree? My master is in counterterrorism. I am going to finish next week. Next week? Yeah, next week. Wow. Last exam. I still have some work to do, but basically the course is uh, almost ended. And uh, eventually I decided to stay another year to extend my experience here in Israel. Nice. You know, and simply you feel a deep connection, a deep curiosity. Nothing to say. I mean... We don't want, I don't want to depict Israel as completely white or completely black. There is a lot of gray, there is lots of positive aspects, lots of negative aspects. And that's with anywhere. But it's, I, I have to say, it was, it is what makes this country unique. I right. mean, you can find uh, things which are extremely negative and extremely harsh, like things which are extreme, extremely impressive and uh, positive. I mean, it's a country that's a small country that has a makes, big impact. Makes you feel alive, for uh, sure. Wow. Okay, and so, how in the world, in Italy, how did you end up coming to IDC to study? Basically, it was uh, a mix of coincidences, let's say nice coincidences, because basically since I was a teenager, I wanted to come to Israel. I felt this, I don't know, curiosity. You know, when you just look at the map and you say, here, I don't know, I want to go here, you know. <laughs> Sometime Imra gets my mom every time. Why among all the places in the world? Your mother, said, your mother asked that. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Why among all the among all the courses, faculties, counterterrorism? <laughs> <laughs> so I, <laughs> yeah. But basically, I follow what I felt, you know, personally. And, Absolutely. Uh, my interest for this topic, for this issue, security, with my interest for this country and for these people and the culture in general. Yeah. So uh, you, you came here, you, you said you spent a week. The first time yet was for vacation, then I decided to have, a, let's say, a deeper experience in Israel. So during my thesis research, I came here again for two months. And uh, after my graduation in the uh, University, I decided to continue with this master uh, in IDC so wow. to extend my experience. Now, when you came back the first time, how old were you, 26, you 26. said? 26. 26. When you came back the first time, what, like when you showed your family the pictures or you posted them on social media, what was their response? Because there's a lot of misconceptions about... Yeah, it is. And I have to say that uh, the main problem that Israel is facing since many years is, uh, let's say, the media, the broadcasting. And, you know, when the people just broadcast the problems, I have to say, I'm Italian. Uh, I think I experience, let's say, this kind of stereotypes, the effects of the media, of the stories, almost every day. Because, you know, when somebody comes to you and uh, hear your Italian accent and start to say, ah, oh, the Godfather, Italian, spaghetti, 
It's not so nice. I think it's the same for the Israelis, you know, when you say I'm Israeli, you know, most of the people abroad, usually the first thing that pop up in their mind is uh, war, terrorism, Ryan. Like for Italy, there is not only mafia. In Israel, there is not only war and terrorism. So right. just be open-minded in this uh, space. You know, it's amazing you say that because I was actually on the train. My executive administrator, actually, uh, uh, our sponsor for the trip, flew uh, our executive administrator, Iris Burrell, to Italy after I would already left. So we're, we're taking some time off. And we're on our way. We'd actually went to Napoli and then Capri, but we're going back to Rome. We sit on a train with an Italian girl, 21. She saw Mount Vesuvius and everything. And a Russian girl who uh, had also come back from Capri. So we're all four sitting on the train going to Rome. And the, the Russian girl's very, very knowledgeable. She's like 31, very intelligent young lady. But she said something that was quite amazing. She asked a question of Iris. She goes, you're an Israeli. And more than Israeli, ladies and gentlemen, she was Jewish. Because not every Israeli is, a, is Jewish. So when the world slams the Israelis, they're actually behind the scenes saying Jew. That's the difference. So this young lady, uh, and she was very sincere, said, I, my Russian friends were telling me, she's, she lives in Russia, that in Wikipedia in Russia, they have about the Jewish, that four Jewish men wanted to create the Jewish state, so they manipulated and somehow created World War II. Yeah, it's crazy that sounds. You're going to create a whole war, Japanese, taking over China, taking over the islands, the Germans taking over. It was so insane. But this is the way, unfortunately, that people have been manipulated in such a stupid way. So just like what you're saying about uh, the misconception because of the media about Israel, let me ask you, you've been here for how long now? Now, in total, it's, let's say, more than one year. More than one year. What has been one of the changes that have, is, have there been any changes in your life that have happened that have said, that have, that have like really, uh, any events uh, here that have transformed you, that have, you can really say? Here in Israel? Here in Israel. So far, uh, I have to say no, but I have to say at the same time that I had, uh, let's say, daily experiences, small experiences that put all together, you know, permit me to, let's say, to grow up, to see different things, living different experiences, meeting people from, let's say, all of the world, because, you know, even if the Israelis, let's say, I found out that, my personal opinion, Israeli is more, let's say, uh, nationalistic term, because when you see that encounter, you meet a person, an Israeli who is half Polish and half Yemeni, another Israeli who is half Iraqi and half American, another Israeli who is half German and But half they're all Egypt. Jewish. Exactly. I mean, it's interesting because they have this point in common, the religion, but you can see that this country is a mix of uh, cultures, basically. Yeah. It is. And, and more than just religious, even if they're not religious, you can never get away. God said to Abraham, from your seed, your DNA, I will make a great nation, a great people. That was the promise. That was the covenant. You don't have to be religious, but the one thing the Jewish people can never get away from, even if they're not religious, 
is the fact that they're Jewish. Even Adolf Hitler and his wickedness, if your father was Jewish and you were even one quarter of a Jew, they came after you. And so, you know, this nationalism, which I see, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually in my heart a part of, because these soldiers and, and many of the Jews here will tell you, the Jewish people that are Israeli citizens will tell you, there is nowhere else left for us to go in the world. This is all we have, and here we're a family. A strong uh, feeling of identity. Yeah. Uh, str- and when I said nationalistic, I'm sorry for my English. No, no, it's Maybe okay. I'm not clear. I don't mean nationalistic right. under the political point of view. I mean uh, sense of identity, sense of nation. But basically what, let's say, enrich these people is that basically they come from all over the world. It's amazing. It's they amazing. have same nation, but all the cultures, let's say, in the same place. What I, it's amazing. No, I it's, it's beautiful the way you put it. Listen, I want to say thank you. Thank oh, you for coming to Israel, for being a part of this great country for the time that you have. And I'm sure that you've been warmly embraced. And uh, to see the miracle that is 68 years, is, for me, because I've been here for four years, dramatically turned me inside out. And uh, wow, great stuff. Thank you for being on Insight to Israel. This is Michael Gano. We'll be right back. When someone gives an answer, it is either in response to a question or a command to respond. And those who might be into grammar would either term it a noun or a verb. In mathematics, an answer is the solution to a problem, and problems are plentiful. Who do you turn to for answers? The Lord is near to all who call on Him, said the psalmist. And God invites you as He says, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Our problem is that we search for answers in all the wrong places. We would do well to remember that God cares and He hears our hurts. To prove it, He said, I'll answer while you're still speaking and I will hear. What problem do you have today? What answer do you seek? Who do you turn to for solutions? God has the answers. He is the answer. This is John Bryan bringing you today's key word. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. It's another beautiful day in the Jewish state. In spite of what is currently taking place or has uh, just taken place in the city of Ephrat, which, which is in the Shamron, and I have with me on the phone Jonathan Feldstein. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing great. A little excitement this morning, but otherwise... Uh quite normal not well we we <laughs> you know i hate it it's, it's sad it's very sad that because of the world's uh the world continues to ignore what happens here in israel that you have to say that but uh share with us a little bit about what took place kind of like the highlights well so a lot of it's unfolding and after we got the all clear and things sort of went back to normal this morning i've been a little detached from the details but basically what i know is that it's here somewhere overnight, uh, one or more Arabs infiltrated a fraud aside of a town of about 10,000 people just south of Bethlehem. We do not have a wall or a fence or any barrier around it separating us from our neighbors. And, uh, uh, but there are visual, there are cameras and heat sensors. So, so, and, and very good security. So, uh, my, my inference is that, uh, whoever came in was seen, was tracked. Uh, the army was out in 
very significant presence. I haven't seen this since, uh, since over two years ago when the three boys were kidnapped and, and the soldiers were looking for them. And somewhere around 5 o'clock in the morning, I started hearing things, rumblings of, uh, of things that were more than, more than uh, minivans and four-wheel, uh, excuse me, four-door uh, sedans and uh, sirens taking place. And it sounded like it was a little bit more in the distance than, in fact, it was. Uh, about 6 a.m., plus or minus, uh, maybe earlier, we got a, a text message that went out to all of the residents saying that there's a security incident. Everyone was instructed to stay indoors until further notice. Um, most of my family was still awake, but you know, asleep rather. But we continue to wake them and get about uh, get about our day as normal. Um, Try to make sure the little ones didn't uh, didn't get too uh, afraid of what was going on. And sirens continued, and then we realized that it was happening not just near us, but really, in fact, literally up the block. Uh, the incident, apparently, what I'm inferring again, I haven't I, I haven't heard confirmation of it. There's a lot of emails going around mostly thanking the, the local security team and the soldiers who were there, but the inference is that uh, one of the terrorists, or a terrorist, uh, was caught very close to the synagogue that I attend. It's like a five-minute walk from my house and uh, shot and neutralized on the spot uh, after attempting to stab and, in fact, stabbing one of the soldiers who was in moderate condition and taken to the hospital. And uh, and from that point, it was short-term on lockdown the whole town. And then immediately, uh, when, when it was isolated, it, it seemed that most of the town kind of opened up. By the time I went up the block to take my kids to school, things seemed very normal, except in our neighborhood where there must have been, uh, I don't know, easily five or six dozen soldiers and any number of military vehicles, and they were going door-to-door, knocking on the doors, looking in the neighborhood. We have a little green area next to our house, so not only did they knock on the door, making sure we were all okay, but they were looking in the bushes, making sure that there was no reason to think that uh, someone else may have been around and uh, and was hiding stuff. And um, then literally things then just got back to normal. Uh, the, the one thing, and I started writing notes for an article that I'll put together on it, the one thing that, that is not happening today, which is quite the norm inside of Rot, is that we'll have anywhere from a few to several hundred Arab workers doing construction or other uh, other sorts of work. And Efrat, I like to joke that on an average weekday, you'll find more Arab men in Efrat than Jewish men because Jewish men go out to uh, to their job. Efrat is very much a bedroom community of Jerusalem and Beit Shemesh and other places. So the Jewish men leave, as Arab men come in, you'll see hundreds of Arab men in, in uh, town. And when I drove up the block, I went specifically into an area that was under construction, and there were no workers. And also because of the neighborhood that's under construction across the valley from our house, that's just a little bit closer to Bethlehem, you constantly hear the ongoing grinding of, of, the, of the stone, of the, the mountains as the, as the mountaintops are terraced in order to build new uh, new homes there, and none of that was heard today, none of that at all. So clearly, for security purposes, the Arab workers were kept out, which is a shame because, you know, probably most of them are decent people who just want to earn a living and, and put food on the table, and today they're not earning a salary because uh, one or more terrorists had the idea to come in and, uh, and, and stab us. And then the only thing I can say is thank God that we were on top of it. Thank God 
a, a soldier who knows how to handle himself was the only one injured because, truthfully, that, and, uh, at that time, had there not been military presence, you would have seen dozens of my neighbors heading to uh, to the synagogue for morning worship. Wow. Wow. Well, Jonathan, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of the things that the, the public outside of Israel isn't aware is exactly what you said. There are many Arabs that are employed uh, by Israeli Israeli Jews. And right. what, what an amazing, amazing um, way uh, to create a stronger community uh, through this type of interaction, especially when it comes to everyday living. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of interviews with people, but unfortunately, uh, the, the few ruin it for the many because I've interviewed people that have literally risked their lives to go up and go and pick up uh, Arab workers, and those same Arab workers sometimes turn on them with a knife or a gun. And uh, it's just, it's, I think it speaks to the sad co- commentary of the, of the culture in which uh, many Arabs find themselves living on a daily basis and are raised in. Yeah, yeah look, uh, th- there are no shortage of Arabs who want to hurt us, uh, and that's a fact. The problem is we don't know which one. My right. contention is the majority just want to live and coexist. I'm not saying they love us. I'm not saying they necessarily want peace, but they want to coexist. And, and you know, we, we've seen instances, I, uh, me, myself, in terms of, uh, workers that we've had in our house, in our na- in our neighborhood, people were told you can you know you can sit and have a cup of coffee and and you know enjoy talking about your kids and ultimately for for, for us at least that's the bottom line and yeah. uh, and, and we've had we've had no any any abundance of instances this past Shabbat yesterday afternoon I had uh, lunch with neighbors of ours who went to uh, to pay a condolence call to the family of a six year old girl. Who was killed in a in a car accident just outside of Rot a week or uh, about a week earlier? Yeah, I was I was overseas, so I wasn't there. And it was, I, I thought it was amazing that they went. I thought it was amazing that these uh, Israeli Jews went to, this, to the homes of the Palestinian Arabs who had just lost their, their child to pay to, to express condolences because on a very basic human level, that's what you do. But uh, yeah. all it takes is one person like this, and unfortunately. This comes at the wake. I haven't really been following the news since about 10 o'clock this morning, but since Friday there have been several instances of yeah. stabbings, uh, of car ramming. There's a video going around of this. I mean, clearly clearly, this guy was trying to woo, woo, woo in a, uh, a soldier and, and uh, disarm, not, not take his weapon, so to speak, but, but disarm the situation by pretending to show him papers. There's a video going around, and as he's pre- presenting his papers to the soldier, he whips the knife out and tries to stab him. And, wow. and that's unfortunately equally part of the norm. And um, it's, a, it's, it's, it's sad because many of the Arabs are simply held hostage by the hate that they imbue that, um, that isn't reciprocated by, by the mentality of us. We just want to live, live in peace, coexist. Our presence where we live is not mutually exclusive to their presence. No, no, no! Significant people are talking about picking them out. In fact, we rely. You've been to a fraud. You see where these, you know, the the Arab businesses that are all around a fraud, Arab-owned businesses. I'm not just talking about uh, uh, businesses that employ Arabs. I'm talking Arab-owned businesses. 
they all advertise only in Hebrew because they rely on us. Right. And I'm good with that. You know what? In fair dollar, or in this case, shekel, for a fair product, and there's a good reliance, and, and now, today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the rest of the week, as we lead up toward, uh, toward Rosh Hashanah, you know, these people aren't going to work. And, and that's a shame. But the, the bigger shame is that they continue to, uh, to, to, to live their lives based on hatred, based on blame, rather than taking responsibility and, and building for themselves. And if they want their own country or, or independence or autonomy, then they have the primary responsibility to build it and wow. not take away ours. Very well said. Very well said. Personal responsibility, that is the essence uh, of true freedom, which is found in Torah. And uh, that's that's a beautiful thing. Jonathan, thank you for the time, brother. And uh, uh, we look forward to future correspondence with you talking about what you're doing with the Kobe Mandel Foundation. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you to all your listeners for, uh, for standing with us. It means a lot. God bless you, Jonathan. Have a good day, sir. God bless you, brother. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And we're back. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. Wow, wow. What a great, what a great interview. You're friends. You're actually friends, man. No, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Ghanaian. You're from Ghana. Yes, I'm from Ghana. Ghana. But you're friends with our... our, our... He's my friend. Yeah, he's a good friend. Nice. So, okay, so you came here from Ghana. Yeah. You said you moved to South Africa for a while. Of course. What, what, what made you move to South Africa? Well, I think South Africa, I've always been interested in traveling exploiting the world, seeing what is happening somewhere, um, not restricting myself. I mean, this is, a, this is the 21st century. You don't just sit at one place. You've got to be open-minded. Right. Know exactly what is happening somewhere. And then you prove upon your life. So definitely that's what I'm doing. It's not the only thing to South Africa. I've been traveling uh, to the States, wherever I get opportunity, I do. Nice, yeah. nice. Now, are you you're working on a master's degree here? Yeah, I'm doing a master's degree. Your master's degree. What was your, bachelor, your undergraduate? My undergraduate was from the University of Ghana, where I studied politics, okay. where they um, the, um, the studies of religions, which was a combined um, degree, for my first degree. Um, when I moved to South Africa, I did a PGCE in education, so I'm a professional teacher. Wow. Um, I also did um, a certificate program in um, commercial property law and practice at the University of Cape Wow. Before I moved here. Commercial life. property. Commercial property, law and practice. Law and practice. South African contest. Wow. Wow. Listen, first of all, I want to apologize. Emmanuel, thank you for being on Insight to Israel. Thank you. And uh, now, let me ask you, you're here in the Middle East. You're here in Israel, the most controversial country in the history of mankind. And on top of that, they the world boycotts this country, you know, all the craziness. What was your concept of Israel before you came here? Or had you been to Israel before you came to IDC? No, it was my first time coming here. I must admit um, a lot of things. I'm hearing a lot of things. But the most important thing is about you getting the first-hand information. Right. And I think that is what I have now. I don't think Israel is controversial. I think it's an amazing country. Let me tell you, Michael, when I got here, the first thing that I did at the airport when I changed some um, dollars into shekels, and I saw 
Arabic. No, like really? Do they even have um, Arabic on the um, Jewish state's um, currency? I mean, it was amazing. Then secondly, whilst moving around, I mean, um, I was just looking around and I could see directions and it was Hebrew, Arabic, and then English. So definitely I never saw anything. So I'm like, it, it was just like the same thing with friends telling me when I moved to South Africa. South Africa is an amazing country, in spite of what people say about South Africa. If you want to ask about my perception about South Africa, it's amazing, beautiful people who are welcoming. There may be a lot of problems. It happens all over the world. Right. There are places in the States that I think that you can't even go. Even in the middle of London, there are places that people cannot go. Um, way back in my country, Ghana, there are even places that people um, will tell you, man, take your time, you can go there around this time. So it's not like all that you see, you understand? Right. There will always be that, a little bit of hitches right here and there. But trust me, both my South African experience, my Israeli experience, it's just been amazing for the years that I've been here. Wow. How, how long have you been here now? Um, almost a year now. My, wow. program is, my program is just like a year. So. Now, let me ask you. Let's. This is a, this is a very serious question. Mm-hmm. Do you think in any of the Muslim countries on their money, do you think there's Hebrew writing? I I I don't know about that. I wouldn't be surprised. The world is full of surprises, Michael. The world is full of surprises. The world is always full of surprises. I will say it would be a definite no. <laughs> Now, the amazing thing is, and I'm sure you've seen this, Mm -hmm. uh, I've studied the laws in Israel. The Muslims, actually, the Arabs, have more rights than the Jewish do legally. They, They get a big discount at the university, things like that. Aside from that, seeing that your experience has been great, since you've been here, where have you been able to travel in Israel? I've, I've traveled, I've, I've been to the Golan Heights. The Goa, wow. An amazing place. Ma- now, um, were you there in the spring? Yes, um, no, I was there. We took like three days, it was like a three days journey moving to the what they call the kibbutz. The kibbutz are enclosed uh, places for where you see real Jewish culture. People come out in the evening, eat together. It's like it's just like a bond, something like which, a big family. Like a big family. And then I can't remember we get in there and people were like, oh, and then one guy walked to us and like, um, excuse me, are you visiting Israel? And I'm like, we students. Oh. Then he goes back to announce to them. And then they come around and then we start dancing. Wow, wow, Everything wow. together. So so trust me, um, you're going to hear a lot of stories, as I keep on saying. But the, the most important thing is the experience. And with my experience, I think um, it's an amazing country. In as much as they are doing so much to um, let people outside, both outside and inside, know exactly what is happening, I think everybody needs a taste of it. For the place, you need to travel. Don't only allow people, don't only listen to what people tell you. Move around, feel it, and then from there you can make conclusions. This is Michael Gannett with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. Wow, wow, wow. It is another beautiful day in the Jewish state, and I am here at, uh, at the IDC conference on uh, uh, counterterrorism. And it has been amazing. Anyone who's been watching our social media uh, has seen some of the testimonies from the students themselves. Tomorrow we're actually going to get to some of the speakers, but I have a gentleman here. My name is Jonathan David, and I'm the vice president of the university. Jonathan, I want to say that uh, my experience in four years of, mm-hmm. as someone who's not Jewish, being in Israel, having never right. been here before, uh, has dramatically changed my life. And watching what uh, IDC does... Uh, and how you bring young people from all over the world to come here and study uh, governmental relations, international relations, uh, counterterrorism, 
is truly amazing. Can you tell me, first of all, you're an American. Am I yeah, you I was raised in California. Raised in California. When did you make Aliyah? Many years ago, way before you were born. <laughs> well, you don't know my age. <laughs> but I'm sure that's true. I'm 45, so. I am 67. Wow, nice. What? Uh, first of all, my question is, why did you make Aliyah? I immigrated to Israel because of uh, my belief in Zionism. I believe that uh, it's important uh, that we should have a Jewish state, which exists someplace in the world. Um, and uh, call it uh, biblical prophecy of, uh, you know... my best friend. You know, rounding up the people from the four corners of the earth and ending up in Israel and establishing a Jewish state. So I believe in the biblical prophecy. And I believe in the Zionist prophecy. Amen. So it's a combination of all of those things. Amen. Amen. How, what what events transpired in your life that led you to the position you're in now? I think uh, what inspired me the most were two things, basically. One was the Holocaust, and the second thing was the Six-Day War. Um, the Holocaust being that uh, if we would have had a Jewish country wow. with a Jewish Air Force and with uh, a Jewish tank corps, and with uh, infantry, infantry, uh, we could have uh, defended those Jews in Europe, uh, but we didn't, and we needed to be dependent on all of these other countries in the world who didn't do really too much to help us. And then uh, there was a six-day war, uh, which proved to me that there were a small group of people in Israel here who were courageous enough to fight. So I said, if they can fight, I will join them. I became a paratrooper here. I became a lieutenant colonel in the IDF. Wow. I still serve in IDF reserves uh, to this day. I live in Israel. I've got four kids. I've got uh, five grandchildren and two more on the way. So um, that's the story. And I'm now the vice president of a, of a very Zionist university where one-third of all of our students of the student body are students who came from overseas. Most of them are Jewish, but we also have non-Jewish students. It's amazing. We have evangelical students whose parents are pastors from Texas and from California and other places. What uh, unites all of us is our Zionist ethic. You can be a Christian Zionist. You can be a Jewish Zionist. Um, and uh, the Judeo-Christian ethic is something which uh, unites all of us. You know, I say this a lot uh, in my radio show and on our social media. If it had not been for God giving the, the, the Torah to the Jewish people, there would be no hoka. There would be no Constitution because the founding principles of the Constitution come from the principles of Torah. Absolutely. And uh, I want to say thank you to the Jewish people for my freedom as an American. And with that, uh, Inside Israel has a program called Chocolates for Heroes, where Americans send thousands of Hershey's chocolate bars with notes on them to the soldiers. We love you. We pray for you. We stand that's with fantastic. you. And I have two for you. Well, that's that's terrific. And uh, I, I visited the factory in Pennsylvania. My wife comes from Pennsylvania, and so we, oh, wow. we visited Hershey. And uh, it's a great place. It's a great place for kids to visit. Absolutely. So let me ask you, when uh, what initiated... And, and how long have these conferences? You have various conferences. The Institute for Counterterrorism has been in existence for 20 years. I, IDC Herzliya has been in existence for 25 years. And these conferences have been taking place for 16 years. Wow. So, um, and we're having a lot of fun while we're doing it. I mean, this is just one aspect of what we do at IDC Herzliya. We decided to turn the subject of counterterrorism into an academic subject. 
so that uh, we could, so out of Zion shall come the light wow. on how to fight terrorism around the world. And so we could learn from our own experience what resilience is all about. We could learn from our own experience how to fight terrorism and, and how to be very unpolitically correct when fighting terrorism. Um, because if uh, you try to fight terrorism by being um, nice, by being a nice guy, <laughs> you'll end up being a dead guy. And we actually prefer to live. Absolutely. Unlike the terrorists who believe in 72 virgins, um, we believe that uh, in life and in peace and in democracy, so we have a different way of looking at things um, as opposed to these terrorists. Wow. Sir, I want to say uh, thank you for being on Insight to Israel. Thank you. It's and, a pleasure. Uh, Always a pleasure to, to uh, do business with Chocolate for Israel. <laughs> Sir, uh, we, uh, I want to say from the American people, uh, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you. And we want to thank the American people for, for being who they are, um, individuals who fight for liberty and uh, who believe in freedom and who uh, have done so much for the world and, and so much for Israel. And uh, we have to stand up and be counted. Absolutely. All of us who uh, believe in these values and in these ethics. And, uh, you know, hopefully we won't end up being the last of the Mohicans. Hope not, but I'll tell you this, sir. I know that God, you and I both know, and I'm thankful for those who believe and who stand like we do, uh, that God will preserve His land and His people. I, I believe that, that if we... Put our faith in in God. That's a good investment. Absolutely, it's a good investment. This is Michael Gano at at uh, the conference for, on counterterrorism. Thank you for everyone that watches our social media. Don't forget to listen to Insight Israel every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 17 and 21 in the Jewish state. God bless the patriot conservatives who stand for the Judeo-Christian-founded Constitution and Bill of Rights, and God bless Israel in her fight for sovereignty and security. And God bless Michael. Thank you. I need it. This is Michael Gano with Insight to Israel and Chocolates for Heroes. It's another beautiful day in the Jewish state. And I am at IDC uh, University. Yeah. IDC School for International Relations. And we are at the IC... ICD. ICT. Uh, counterterrorism Conference. And uh, I actually have a student from IDC here. And uh, William, thanks for being on Insight to Israel. Thank you. And uh, I'm... I'm very excited because I had a conversation with you and a, another friend, and let me ask you, you had stated to me that your father's from Cameroon, yep. and then he moved to Spain, he has associates here in Israel, and uh, you heard about IDC, what made you choose, out of all the places you could have gone to school, what made you choose to come to school in Israel at IDC? Okay, honestly... Uh, I had two choices. Okay, I could have chosen between U.S. or go to Israel because of the program. It's a program in, I'm doing an MA in counterterrorism. Master's, master's degree in counterterrorism. Master's degree wow. in counterterrorism, cybersecurity, socialization. And uh, I had two options, U.S. or Israel. Israel is a place that a lot of people are in a way, and when you're in Europe, they have a pretty bad concept, a pretty bad idea about Israel. So I said, listen, 
I would be the one who would be different, so why not to go there? And then my father had, had some, uh, some friends, like a friend, and they advised me to come here to discover new places. I've never been in the Middle East, so I say, why not? Why not here? Wow. So I decided to come. So how long have you actually been in Israel now? Now, it, uh, soon, almost a year. Almost a year. Almost a year. You saw what the world was saying about Israel before you came, yeah. or you heard. What is, what is your what is your perception now? Now that you've been here for a year and a half. Okay, honestly, when you are in Europe, because I was living in Spain. I mean, I live in Spain. In Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we have to laugh at the Europeans sometimes. We feel bad for the people who are subject to their government, but yeah, the the, the, the concept of Israel in Europe is pretty like, actually they consider they have pretty bad consideration toward Israel. Um, in Spain, in France, in Belgium. But so, they're the ones that are faced with the most terror. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Today, yes, today, yes. So uh, yeah, my concept changed. My concept changed a lot, actually. Uh, I don't have the same conceptions uh, compared to when I arrived at the beginning, in October, actually. October 20, 2015. Now, I see, I think, it's a different perspective. Let's say a different focus. Uh, you, you, you learn, I mean, during this year, I learned that not everyone is guilty and not everyone is that innocent that uh, we, they claim to be. So, wow. So, I can say that my have, have you had the, obviously you've had the chance to travel around the country? Yeah, I did some travel. Yeah, I went to I went to the north, to the north, to the Golan Heights. Yeah, to the Golan Heights. I was next to the border with Syria. Actually. Ah, wow. We actually we take Americans up there. Yeah. And when my mother was here, we actually saw uh, a shell that hit a UN. Uh, base not far. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, a base, the UN base, yeah. Yeah, not far from uh, from the Israeli border. So, what was your experience like up there? Did you actually see it? Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw the the UN base. I saw. Yeah, I was talking with some people around, and uh, it was funny because we met a man. One uh, of some friends, actually. We met a man who told us, you know.
You are listening to America's Web Radio, your voice in the matter.